Hello, you're listening to the Boingville Podcast. My name is Boingville. First of all, we're going to try having some background music today, as you can hear, um, just to see if that helps the quality of the podcast, see if people like it. If you do, or if you don't, let us know. Uh, boingvillepodcast.gmail.com We'll use the comment boards on the blog page, uh, boingville.blogspot.com Today, I'm going to talk about the Parliament of the UK. Um, getting the thing that I'm going to read, uh, I may interject my own information or whatever, but uh, I'm getting this, or I'm reading the majority of this from uh, Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia that's on the internet that anyone can edit. The address specifically that I'm getting this from are en.wikipedia.org forward slash wiki forward slash parliament underscore of underscore the underscore United underscore kingdom. Wiki is spelt W-I-K-I and Wikipedia is spelt W-I-K-I-P-E-D-I-A. Right. The Parliament of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland is the supreme legislative institution in the United Kingdom and British overseas territories. It alone has parliamentary sovereignty at its head is the sovereign, a bicameral, including an upper house called the House of Lords and a lower house called the House of Commons. The House of Lords includes two different types of members, the Lords Spiritual, the Senior Clergy of the Church of England, and the Lords Temporal, members of the peerage. It is a wholly unelected body. The House of Commons, on the other hand, is a democratically elected chamber. The House of Lords and the House of Commons meet in separate changes in the Palace of Westminster, commonly known as the Houses of Parliament, in the British capital, London, more precisely in the borough and city known as the City of Westminster. By constitutional convention, all government ministers, including the Prime Minister, are drawn exclusively from the House of Commons or House of Lords. Parliament evolved from an ancient council which advised the sovereign. In theory, power is vested not in Parliament, but in the Queen in Parliament or King in Parliament. The Queen in Parliament is often said to be completely sovereign authority, though such a position is debatable. In modern times, real power is vested in the democratically elected House of Commons. The sovereign acts only as a figurehead, and the powers of the House of Lords are greatly limited. The British Parliament is also often called the Mother of Parliaments, as the legislative bodies of many nations, most notably those members of the Commonwealth, are modelled on it. However, it is a misquotation of John Bright, who had actually remarked on the 18th of January 1865 that England is the Mother of Parliaments. in the context of supporting demands for expanding voting rights in a country which had pioneered parliamentary democracy. In the medieval period, there were three kingdoms of England, Scotland and Ireland, and these developed separate parliaments. The 1707 Act of Union brought England and Scotland together under the Parliament of Great Britain, and the 1800 Act of Union included Ireland under the Parliament of the United Kingdom. The English Parliament can trace its origins to the Anglo-Saxon Wingermort. In 1066, William of Normandy brought a feudal system where he sought the advice of council and tenants-in-chief and inacastics before making the laws. In 1215, the tenants-in-chief secured 
from John and the Magna Carta, which established the king may not levy or collect taxes except the feudal taxes to which they were hereof accustomed, save with the context of his royal council and which slowly developed into a parliament. In 1265, Simon de Montfort, the sixth Earl of Leicester, summoned the first elected parliament. The franchise in parliamentary elections for county constituencies was uniform throughout the country, extending to all those who owned the freehold of land to an annual rent of 40 shillings. In the boroughs, the franchise varied across the country. Individual boroughs had varying arrangements. This set the scene for the so-called Model Parliament of 1295, adopted by Edward I. The reign of Edward III Parliament had seen that it had been separated into two houses, one including the nobility and the higher clergy, the other including the knights and uh, burgesses, and no laws could be made, uh, nor any tax levied without the consent of both houses as well as a sovereign. When Elizabeth I was succeeded in 1603 by the Scottish King James VI, who had also become James I of England, the countries both came under his personal rule, but each retained its own parliament. James I's successor, Charles I, quarreled with Parliament until after he provoked the wars of the Three Kingdoms, which developed into the English Civil War. Charles was executed in 1649 under Oliver Cromwell's Commonwealth of England. The House of Lords was abolished, and the House of Commons remained subordinate to Cromwell. After Cromwell's death, the Restoration of 1660 restored the monarchy and the House of Lords. Amidst fears of Roman Catholic secession, the glorious revolution of 1688 deposed James II in favour of joint rule with Mary II and William III, whose agreement to the English Bill of Rights included a constitutional monarchy, though the supreme power of the crown still remained clear. From time to time of Kenneth MacLaughlin of the Scottish Alba, was ruled by the chefness and pretty kings and the severity of a high king, all offices being filled through an election under assembly known as a tenancy, which combined a hereditary element with the consent of those who ruled after Macbeth was overthrown by Malcolm III in 1057, the feudal system of the Procomature was introduced as Scotland came under the influence of the Norman Conquest. In the Middle Ages, the King's Council of Bishops and Earls evolved into a parliament becoming the Calibrium of 1235 which had already become a political and judicial role. From 1326, the three estates had clergy, tenants and chiefs and borough commissioners sitting in a single chamber, with powers over taxation and a strong influence over justice, foreign policy, war and legislation. The three estates chose a committee called the House of Lords of Architects and to draft legislation, which we presented to the full assembly to be confirmed. Following the Reformation and the pressures of clerk the Catholic clergy was executed in 1567 after the Protestant bishops were abolished in 1638, the Parliament became entirely lay assembly. During the reign of James VI, the Lord of the Articles became more influenced under the Crown, and following the accession to the throne in 1603, he used them to run Scotland from London. During the Wars of the Three Kingdoms, or the English Civil War, in the coveting period 1638 to 1651, the Scottish Parliament took control of the executive, effectively wrestling sovereignty from King Charles I. After Scotland was invaded by Oliver Cromwell and his Commonwealth Government, imposed a brief Anglo-Scottish parliamentary union. 
1657. The Scottish Parliament returned after the restoration of Charles II to the throne in 1660. After the Glorious Reformation, it also changed the English monarch in February 1689. William summoned a convention of the estates which considered letters from himself, from James VII, which set out the duly proclaimed William and Mary II of Edinburgh, April 11th, 1689. From the Parliament of Ireland. The Irish Parliament was founded to represent the English community and the Lordship of Ireland, while the native Gaelic or Irish eligible to stand to vote for office as became in meeting in 1264. The English presence shrank to it a cold though to Dublin as a pale. In 1549, Henry VIII declared the Kingdom of Ireland and embarked on the Tudor reconquest of Ireland. The Gaelic Irish lords were now entitled to attend the Irish Parliament as equals to the majority of the English descent. Disputes followed the introduction of the Protestantism, as the state religion was become popularity remained the Roman Catholic Church, and in 1613 to 1615, constituencies were fixed to the Protestant settlers held the majority in the Irish Parliament. After the Irish Rebellion of 1641, Irish Catholics were banned from voting or attending the Parliament altogether with the Cromelian Act of Settlement 1652. Under James II and Seventh, the Catholics regained control during the war in Ireland, which he agreed to the parliamentary demands of the Irish Parliament for autonomy and restitution of the lands. But after the victory of William III of England, these gains were reversed by the penal laws, which made things worse. Penal laws made the Irish legislature subordinate to the Parliament of Great Britain, but the Constitution of 1782 removed these restrictions, and about a decade later, Catholics gained the right to vote, though were still debarred from membership. The Parliament of Great Britain Following the Treaty of Union in 1707, the twin Acts of Union were passed in both the Parliament of England and the Parliament of Scotland, which created a new Kingdom of Great Britain. The Acts dissolved both Parliaments, replacing them with a new Parliament of the Kingdom of Great Britain, based on the former home of the English Parliament. While Scots laws and Scottish legislation remained separate, the legislation was now dealt with by the new Parliament. After the Hanoverian George I ascended to the throne in 1714, power began to shift from the sovereign, and by the end of his reign, the position of his ministers, who would in turn have to rely on Parliament for support, was cemented. Towards the end of the 18th century, the monarch had considered influence over Parliament, which itself was dominated by the English aristocracy and by patronage. At general elections, the vote was restricted to the landed gentry in constituencies, which were out of date and had many rotten borough seats, could be fought while major cities remained unrepresented. Reformers and radicals sought parliamentary reform, but as the Napoleonic Wars developed, the government became repressive against dissidents and progress toward reform was stalled. The Parliament of the United Kingdom The United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland was created in 1801 by the merger of the Kingdom of Great Britain and the Kingdom of Ireland. The principle of ministerial responsibility to the lower house did not develop until the 19th century. The House of Lords was superior to the House of Commons in theory and in practice. Members of the Commons were elected in quite the electoral system, under which constituencies vast in, vastly had different sizes. Thus the borough of Old Sarum, with seven voters, could elect two members, as the borough of Dunwich, which had completely disappeared into the sea due to land erosion in many cases. 
members of the upper house controlled tiny constituencies known as pocket boroughs or rotten boroughs and could ensure the election of their relatives or supporters. Many seats in the commons were owned by the lords. The reforms of the 19th century beginning in 1832, the electoral system in the lower house was much more regularized. No longer dependent on the upper house for their seats, members of the commons began to grow more assertive. The modern era. The supremacy of the House of Commons was clearly established in the early 20th century. In 1901, the Commons passed the so-called People's Budget, which made numerous changes to taxation in a manner detrimental to wealthy landowners. The House of Lords, which mostly consisted of powerful landowning aristocrats, rejected the budget. On the basis of the budget's popularity and the Lords' consequent unpopularity, the Liberal Party won a general election in 1910. Using the result as a mandate, the Liberal Prime Minister, Herbert Henry Asquith, introduced the Parliament Act, which sought to restrict the powers of the Lords. He did not reintroduce the land tax provision of the People's Budget. When the Lords refused to pass the bill, Asquith approached the King and requested the creation of several hundred Liberal peers so as to erase the Conservative majority in the House of Commons. In the face of such a threat, the House of Lords reluctantly passed the bill. The Parliament Act 1911, as it became known, allowed the Lords to delay a bill for the maximum of three sessions, reduced to two sessions in 1949, after which it would become law over their objections. The Irish Free State became independent in 1922, and in 1927 the UK was renamed the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Further reforms to the House of Lords have been made during the 20th century, in 1958, the Life Peerages Act authorised the regular creation of Life Peerages dynasties. By the 1960s, the regulation of hereditary peerages dynasties had ceased. Thereafter, almost all new peers were Life Peers only. More recently, the House of Lords Act of 1999 was removed, which removed the automatic right of hereditary peers to sit in the Upper House although it made an exemption for 92 of them on a temporary basis. The House of Lords is now, as a chamber in practice, subordinate to the House of Commons. The Scottish Parliament was established as the National Unisomarial Legislature of Scotland by the Scotland Act of 1998 and held its first meeting as a devolved legislature on the 12th of May 1999. Well, that's a very brief history of the United Kingdom Parliament. There's much more information on Wikipedia that will tell you about it. But uh, I have to say that uh, it's likely that this is going to be the last podcast that we do um, on a regular basis has been going on at the moment. Uh, it's, it's been good that we've managed to put our podcast at such a regular rate, but unfortunately not practical, and only because of this particular moment in time it's been convenient to do so. In future, it will not be convenient to do so. This is podcast number 18, and we will do 19 and 20 fairly shortly, but uh, for the moment, um, the podcasts are going to start to become more irregular, twice a week, I would imagine, rather than once a day has been going on. Um, I hope the subscribers does increase, it's still relatively low, and obviously we won't be able to justify continuing to do it if it remains that low, I have to say. Um, this has been the Boring Bill Podcast, email us at boringbillpodcast at gmail.com, but for now... Uh, see you soon. Goodbye.